This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Oh, my goodness. A tough, tough Sunday in the home opener at Raymond James Stadium as the Green Bay Packers come in and hand the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a low-scoring, narrow defeat, 14-12. What in the name of Vince Lombardi and Tony Dungy area football is going on with the points being scored or not right now in the NFL? But uh, give the Packers credit, they get the win. The Bucs come up two points short on a two-point play that is still being talked about and will be talked about, not only as we come off the weekend, but at least for another day or two. And we're discussing it all as part of Nothing But Bucks. First of all, thank you for finding us however you did so, whether you did so through the Buccaneers mobile app, whether you did so through uh, the podcast services, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there on the day after games. I know some of you may be hearing us as well on the Buccaneers uh, channel on Sirius XM Radio. If you get that through your subscription, thank you for finding us. Realize that we come your way usually on Mondays, obviously after the Sunday game. It's a day after the game recap podcast, usually out by midday on Monday, give or take, where we're traveling or it's a holiday or where we're going to be, etc. Obviously, there's a Thursday night game looming with Baltimore. Nothing but Bucks will be there the day after the game, probably midday Friday. There's a Monday night game later on in the year with the New Orleans Saints. Nothing but Bucks will be there on Tuesday after that game is over with. But typically on Mondays, we are here to recap uh, Buccaneer games and action. And uh, look, it was a tremendous atmosphere with two of the top teams in the NFL, two of the greatest quarterbacks of the last 30 years of the NFL, if not the last 50 years of the NFL, going head-to-head. How many more times are we going to get to see Tom Brady take on Aaron Rodgers? Believe it or not, it was only the fifth time, five, that they've met. Because remember, Brady in the AFC, not typically playing the Packers in the NFC that often. They had only met twice prior to him coming to the Buccaneers. With Rodgers having won one of those two meetings, of course, we know who won the two meetings in 2020, do we not, Buccaneer fans, with a blowout win in the regular season and then the epic NFC title win where Tom Brady lit up the Packer defense and the Bucs went on to clinch the NFC, go to the Super Bowl, and beat the Chiefs at the expense of Rodgers and company. So that was kind of the backdrop for Sunday. Let me set the table here. You're going to have highlights, recapping the game from Mean Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore, and our Buccaneer Radio Network calls of the game. You'll go inside the locker room when it is over with and hear on our Hooters postgame show from Cameron Braid, who had a couple of key catches in this game. Uh, also, Russell Gage, who caught the touchdown, the lone touchdown that the Bucks have scored. How about three games and three offensive touchdowns? These are not right now the 2020 or the 2021 Buccaneers with lighting up the scoreboard with 30, 35, 38 points a game. Now, obviously, while I digress here for a second, that's going to improve when Mike Evans and some combination, if not all three, of Chris Godwin and Julio Jones are back. Uh, clearly, right now, Tom Brady is undermanned with the weapons, in particular, somebody to stretch the defense. Uh, but you're, you're going to get some help back, and this team will be able to score more. They've got to be better, obviously, at finishing drives. Yesterday, turnovers that were killers, two of them in the plus territory, uh, not helping them finish drives. Uh, and I believe that that help will come. So anyway, Russell Gage had 12 catches in the game. You'll hear from him on this podcast in just a little bit after the highlights. Also, Logan Ryan already making an impact uh, for this team out of the secondary. He used to play with Brady in New England, also played for the New York Giants. Logan Ryan got that uh, fumble in the end zone yesterday after the big hit by Levante David and Vita Vea right on the goal line. Boy, you talk about a momentum switching play. We'll play that highlight in a little bit. Packers on the verge of going up 21-3. to if they can get in the end zone. 
Instead, Levante, David, and Vita Vea sandwich Aaron Jones right on the goal line. The ball is loose in the end zone, and Logan Ryan's there to fall on it. That's one of several huge momentum plays. You'll hear him talk about that. You'll hear him talk about his second-half interception of Aaron Rodgers. All of that's coming up here uh, in a little bit. Head coach Todd Bowles obviously dejected that his team could not get the win. He was bidding to become the first-ever Buccaneer coach to win the first three games of his first season. No Buccaneer coach had done that. Sam Weich, the only coach that had won the first two games, Uh, Remember, for all, I mean, John Gruden lost his first game. Tony Dungy lost his first game. Bruce Arians lost his first game. The Buccaneers have never had a coach win their first three, and the Packers denied Todd Bowles having that distinction. Uh, Yesha, you'll hear from Todd Bowles on our Hooters postgame show in a few minutes uh, detailing more about his thoughts on this game and uh, the job the Packers did to win it. The controversy, again, of not being able to get the playoff at the two-yard line for the uh, the two-point play, having to take the delay of game, move it back to the seven-yard line. You'll hear all of that. You'll hear from Tom Brady as well as he met with the media Sunday night, later into Sunday night after this defeat. And then we've got a special guest who will join us as well. She used to work with us and for us on Buccaneers.com, and you used to see her on the TV coverage, and we would have her on this podcast. There's nothing but Bucks podcast in the recap mode. Carmen Vitale, Carmi V., Uh, was at Raymond James Stadium in her new role covering the NFC North for Fox Sports and foxsports.com. So Carmi V will be here to give me perspective on what she saw from the struggles with the Bucs offense, although the Buccaneer defense, kids, I'm going to ask Carmi about this. Buccaneers defense shut the Packers out in the second half. You can talk about Green Bay playing conservatively with the lead, blah, blah, blah. They didn't score in the second half of the game. Uh, With chances to maybe stretch the game out and put the game away, Time and again, the Buccaneer defense stopped him. I'm going to talk to Carmi V about that, about what she saw out of Aaron Rodgers, et cetera, et cetera. So she will be with us a little bit later on here in the podcast as well. All right, with that, let's get to it and everything that happened at Raymond James Stadium. All right, full disclosure to begin here, I had spent Friday night and Saturday in Lubbock, Texas, doing national radio of the Texas, Texas Tech uh, matchup Texas Tech winning in an upset in overtime over nationally ranked Texas number 22 Texas it was a wild scene with the students running on the field etc after the game after the overtime win so did all of that flew in on Sunday morning and and midday Sunday getting through Dallas Lubbock to Dallas and then to Tampa a lot of Green Bay Packer fans in the airport in uh, in Dallas at our terminal and on the plane a lot of Packer fans uh, obviously Ended up being in Raymond James Stadium. Still, the Buccaneer fans up outnumbered them easily. New record crowd, by the way, uh, of over 67,000 Buccaneer fans with that new uh, cruise nest that's in the south end zone. So, yeah, there were some Packer fans making some noise, but Buccaneer fans making noise as well in this football game. So an exciting uh, atmosphere. Got to, got to be in and around a lot of the tailgate that was going on about two hours before the game. And just like the old rivalry of the NFC Central, remember, before the NFC North, when the Bucs would play the Packers every year, home and away. And, and always in the 80s, when the Buccaneers were bad and the, and the stadium wasn't sold out, there would be thirty or 40,000 Packer fans. No exaggeration. They would come down here from Wisconsin, usually to get out of the cold in November and December, but also to come get in the sun. And you could always recognize them because the Wisconsinites were all white as copy paper when they would show up down here by the thousands to root on the Packers. You know, at that time, it was like Don Mikowski, 
Uh, who else quarterbacking the Green Bay Packers? <laughs> Lynn Dickey in the 80s. Then it became Brett Favre, obviously, and now it's Aaron Rodgers. So the Packers were here. It was quite the atmosphere. As I mentioned, the Buccaneers had won the last meeting at home, but that was limited fans in 2020 because of the COVID-19 pandemic rules and guidelines. This was full capacity. It was some atmosphere. And let's get into it. Let's get into the highlights of what happened right away. The Buccaneers got the ball first after the Packers won the toss and said, we want to defer. We want the ball in the second half. So Tom Brady would go to work with a couple of new Buccaneers uh, right away, including Cole Beasley, just signed this week as a slot receiver. Dropping to Bill Brady, gets the pass away, caught, ball, held on to, first down at the 37-yard line. Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, a brand-new Buccaneer. We heard Jason Lake talk about Cole Beasley. We heard head coach Todd Bowles. He's a, he's a go-to on third-down guy, and we go for it on fourth down and convert. How about that? Again, these are the calls of Mean Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore on Buccaneers Radio. Beasley, former Dallas Cowboy, uh, definitely out of that mold of whether it's Julian Edelman or Danny Amendola that was with Brady in um, in New England or any of these uh, underneath slot receivers. I mean, remember, Adam Humphreys always was a great slot receiver here for the Buccaneers uh, with Jameis Winston throwing him the football. Get that guy uh, Get that guy some catches. Of course, Russell Gage does a lot of the same thing with the underneath routes. So Beasley, an early catch, and then another Buccaneer gets in the act. For the first time this season, Kyle Rudolph, the veteran tight end, active, and Brady finds him. Play action, fake soul, nicely by Brady. Pass the ball left side. Hot ball, it's Kyle Rudolph. His first catch is a Buccaneer. His first snap is a Buccaneer. And the Bucs are using all the weapons that are available today, Dave. So with those catches, uh, Cole Beasley and Kyle Rudolph, by the way, become the 290th and 291st Buccaneers to catch a pass in a regular season game. Uh, That's uh, our buddy Paul Stewart, the unofficial historian of BuckPower.com, is feeding me the stats always, so he came up with those stat nuggets. So their first catches help the Buccaneers drive into scoring range. Unfortunately, can't get in the end zone. This has kind of been a recurring theme. Had to settle for three right here. Buccaneers will bring in Ryan Suckup to attempt a 45-yard field goal. Right between the hash marks. Good spot, good snap, and the kick is airborne, and it is good. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead 3 to nothing. Ryan Suckup's 45-yard field goal capped the 10-play 48-yard drive. You're on the board at 3-0. And now you're trying to turn the defense loose, but really a great job by Aaron Rodgers to spread the ball around, slant passes, et cetera, and eventually they move into scoring range after a third down conversion. That would be a big theme uh, throughout uh, this Sunday, especially the first half where the Packers converted over and over and over again on third down. They move into scoring range in the red zone and get in the end zone here. Third down and three. They can get a first down. Rodgers shotgun, sidecar right, throws a pass, caught ball. They got a little pick play, tackle made right at the goal line. Was he in? Yes. The Green Bay Packers have gone 75 yards. And it looked to me like a Green Bay Packer receiver sort of scrubbed, and I mean shoved a defender down. There was no flag for pass interference. And the Green Bay Packers lead on their opening drive of the game. Romeo Dobbs gets the touchdown, and I've got to say this. I was down there at field level for Buccaneers Radio in the sideline role. The officials missed what was a fairly obvious pick play, a moving screen 
Not unlike what's called in basketball, Alan Lazard, the Packer receiver. The rule is you're allowed a yard of leeway at the line of scrimmage to be able to throw blocks on a defender on a forward pass. You can obviously throw blocks on a defender on a pass behind the line of scrimmage. You can throw blocks after a pass has been caught. But in terms of the ball not being thrown yet, you can't be blocking people more than a yard beyond the line of scrimmage or it's offensive pass interference. It's no different than a defender coming up and hitting a receiver while the ball's in the air. The same thing. You can't just move people out of the way. And Alan Lazard is the guilty party for Green Bay. I've seen the replay. I saw the replay in the stadium on the video board. I've seen the replay two or three times now. He clearly is three yards downfield, shoulder lowered right into Jamel Dean to move him out of the way so Dubs can come inside of him by design. They stack the receivers. They do this by design, and it should have been called. It's a blown call uh, yesterday by the officiating crew, a no call that uh, they allowed the Packers to get the touchdown because that should have been backed up. I believe it's a 10-yard penalty for offensive pass interference from the spot or from the uh, from the line of scrimmage. So they would have been moved back outside the 10-yard line on that play. Nonetheless, a touchdown for Green Bay and a 7-3 lead. And then I use the word surgical. I'm going to talk to Carmi V about this as well later on. Uh, Rodgers was just surgical. At one point, he completed 12 of 13 passes. He moved the Packers uh, into scoring range yet again. And again, they get on the board right here. Shotgun look, Aaron Rodgers. Fakes to the left, fires to the right. Caught ball, touchdown, Green Bay Packers. Alan Lazard. Second TD pass of the game thrown by Aaron Rodgers. He's been almost perfect in the game, and we have 8.44 to go in the second quarter. Work ahead for the Bucs. We trail 13 to three. 14 to three, the score at that point, as Rodgers, uh, again, two touchdowns already in the first half, and you're looking up going, okay, this is different than the New Orleans game, different than the Dallas game, where the Buccaneer defense held in with sacks, with turnovers, and really squeezed both the Saints and the Cowboys from even getting a touchdown. Packers now got two touchdowns on the board. You've got to start making something uh, on offense uh, happen, and that is definitely what uh, the Buccaneers were looking at doing. All right, late first half. This is the key play that I was talking about. Green Bay moving the ball again with Rodgers effective on third down, finding uh, Robert Tunyon, the tight end, uh, going downfield to Randall Cobb with a completion. Eventually, they move inside the red zone, and here's the critical play where the game could have been 21-3, as Gene and Dave called it. Lazard wide to the right, two receivers to the left. Now Lazard, hop, skip, and a jump. Looking that way, Rodgers throws a pass, caught ball. Towel, fumble, fumble. It's a fumble, fumble. Recovered by the Buccaneers. Recovered oh, by big, the Buccaneers. It's a big break. What a defensive stop by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Logan Ryan. How many times has Levante David been around the football? Just a tremendous job for he and Vita Vea to sandwich Aaron Jones and cause that fumble. Logan Ryan, Mike Edwards, were like three Buccaneers around that ball. Logan Ryan fell on it in the end zone. So you get the touchback from that, and immediately the Bucs go to work. And uh, it's Tom Brady finding receivers out of the backfield. Leonard Fournette had a good run. You move into the plus territory down 14-3, and you think you're going to make something happen here. And unfortunately, turnovers critical in this game, including right here for the guys in the home white. Clock stops with 52 seconds. Pass underneath, crossing around. Caught ball inside the 30, inside the 25-yard. Fumble football. Was he down by contact? I think he was. 
No whistle, no stoppage of play, and the Buccaneers have just turned the ball over. And that was Perryman that caught the ball, and that ball did come out, so it is a fumble. And Rashad Perryman has been such a reliable receiver for this team, but he got hit, didn't protect the ball, fumbled it. So you not only don't get seven, you don't get anything at 14-3. And this one goes to the locker room at 14-3. I know I, I talked to the head coach uh, about this, and he said, listen, uh, we can't turn the ball over. We're making too many mistakes. They had a couple of penalties as well, a holding penalty, got a, got a couple of false starts that put a drive behind. Too much self-inflicted. Defense trying to hold in. Uh, on this at 14 to 3. So that was kind of the backdrop for the second half. And once again, the uh, the Buccaneers would go on the move to start the second half. And just like what happened at the end of the first half, you get a couple of completions, you move the ball across the 50, you're thinking you're going to get in the end zone. It's going to be a 14 to 10 game. And disaster again after a catch. Snap on second down, pass underneath the coverage, caught. Oh, fumble football. Fumble football at midfield. Russell Gage had the catch, and he fumbled the ball. Green Bay takes over at the 50-yard line. Russell Gage could not hang on to the football after the catch. Clean hit again by the Packers. Give their defense credit. Of course, the former Buccaneer defensive assistant and uh, defensive coordinator a couple of places in the NFL, Joe Barry. His defense was hopping for Green Bay. They get another takeaway, stymie more Buccaneer momentum, and you're really you're hoping at this point to just try to get something going on defense because offensively you're self-inflicting, you're turning the ball over, you can't get anything going. And this is where Logan Ryan shows up big again as the free agent defensive back uh, here in this moment. Rodgers probably will throw on third down and five. Kicks the leg twice, takes the low snap, looks upfield, gets the pass away, and is intercepted, picked off at the 48-yard line. What a snag, a sliding grab. And the Buccaneers force a turnover. Logan Ryan ambushes a pass from Aaron Rodgers on the Packers' side of midfield. What a snag. So the Bucs get a second takeaway and even things up, two takeaways apiece. But at this point, you also are struggling with the fact uh, that you haven't gotten touchdowns. You haven't gotten points on the board, and you could not capitalize again. Uh, Brady was looking long uh, for Scotty Miller down the sideline, couldn't get the feet down. Uh, you, were, you were trying a couple of other passes. Uh, Cameron Brake caught one, got into the plus territory, but eventually on third down, you throw incomplete long to Brashad Perriman. So Ryan Suckup kicked another field goal, and the game is 14-6 to six, uh, at this stage. So, uh, again, you didn't get touchdowns, uh, but the game is still right there. you got a long way to go, and uh, and that's when the Buccaneers try to turn up the heat on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, time and again, this defense really stymied Rodgers and the Packers, including right here with the pass rush, finally getting home early in the fourth quarter. 3.18 to go in the fourth quarter. Long count by... Rodgers in the shotgun, 3.18 left. Here's the snap on third down and long. Flush. He's sacked for the first time at the 48-yard line. Logan Ryan. And Logan Hall, Logan Hall gets his first career sack, and it couldn't have come at a better time. That's the rookie, Logan Hall, out of Houston, who got the sack. They were close two or three other times to sacks. Joe Tryon, Shoyinka, Shaq Barrett, William Golston had their hands on Tom, on uh, on Aaron Rodgers, or were knocking him down right as he threw. That time they got through. Again, the defense just stuffed Green Bay on possession after uh, possession. Now, I will say this. The unsung uh, hero for the Packers, their unsung MVP besides Aaron Rodgers, was their punter, Pat O'Donnell, who continued to, pu- uh, to punt the ball 
Uh, high booming kicks and pinned the Buccaneers inside the 15-yard line, even inside the 10-yard line. He did it four times in the second half where he continued to pin the Bucs back with a punt and set them back in down and distance. And Buccaneers just couldn't seemingly get something going uh, after that. Uh, so finally, you're able to get something happening on offense on the final drive here of the game. You got a couple of key stops. The Buccaneers... Uh, got the key stops at midfield after Rodgers had gotten one first down. You're using timeouts. You get the key third down stop. O'Donnell, again, punts and, and pins the Bucks back at the 11-yard line after the Jalen Darden fair catch. I mean, it's not only that he had great punts. There was no return yardage on these punts either that was just making a big difference in field position. But the Bucks would then go to work. Brady finding Leonard Fournette. Brady finding Russell Gage a couple of times. You then get a pass interference call, which is the right call from the officiating crew where they're grabbing Cameron Braid around the goal line or he would have gotten in the end zone. All right, so that sets up here the dramatic moments in the final half minute. The Bucks looking to get on the board, knowing they need a touchdown and a two-point play. Gage, Darlin, and Perriman. Receivers to the right. Brady takes the snap. Whoops, dumps the ball. Oh! Is it caught? Is it caught? Yeah, it's caught ball by Gage, and he took a big shot. He's a little slow getting up. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. He really took a, a violent shot. Russell Gage, money on that catch, money on that whole drive, but he ended up catching the ball, basically holding on to it with one hand, his left hand, to hang on to it for the touchdown. Dramatic moment. I was right down there inside the five-yard line watching that play. Incredible catch. It was tough to see through the bodies that he had hung on to the ball, but he did on the video board. You could see he grabbed that catch. That's why you bring that guy in as a free agent from the Atlanta Falcons. And then comes the two-point play conversation. And uh, the most discussed two-point conversion uh, for a long time now in Buccaneer history. It probably will be either before or after this game. Bucks had not gone for two this year. Hadn't been very successful the last two years going for two with Tom Brady. So what would they dial up? So the first problem is they did a review on the touchdown. So the review on the touchdown happened, and then the Packers took a timeout as well in that mix to delay things even further. All right, so, and I believe the Packers' timeout actually happened right before the touchdown, but you, you had the replay review, which delayed things. So obviously, Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady were going over, what do we call for the two-point play? And I totally understand the argument. You should have your number one two-point conversion play ready to go, whatever it is. But maybe there was a discussion between a couple of them because of defensive looks they were getting. That, hey, we've got two plays in the huddle, and whichever look we get, that's the play we're going to go to, according to the look. Again, I don't know this, but I know enough about this that that very well could have been the case. Here's what I do know. They didn't get lined up quickly enough. Didn't get out of the huddle and get lined up quickly enough. What Brady wanted to do was send somebody in motion to tell him what's the defense. Is it man-to-man, or is it a likely drop-back zone, drop-back, you know, seven guys in the end zone? What are they doing here on the two-yard line? So they did not get lined up out of the spread. He couldn't start it in motion. He's trying to get the ball, delay of game. Yes, it's on Brady ultimately, but there's the confusion that went into everything uh, before that play. All right, so now you're backed up to the seven-yard line, and your chances go way, way down, where it may be 50-50 to score from the two. It's probably about 25%, maybe even 20%. The analytic stat geeks will tell you more about what's the percentage from the seven-yard line. Certainly the Packers can now drop seven or eight guys in coverage from the seven or eight-yard line. They know they don't have a mobile quarterback that's a threat, 
So what are you gonna what are you gonna be able to do? What are you gonna be able to come up with? As it turns out, the rush gets to Brady, and here is Gene on the call of the two-point play. From the seven-yard line, Brady shotgun. Gage on the right, dropping to throw Brady, looking Brady, flush Brady, throws Brady. It is a incomplete pass, and the Green Bay Packers have stopped the Bucks' three two-point try, and will hang on to a 14 to 12 lead and victory. Brady was looking for Russell Gage in the corner of the end zone trying to come open. He was well covered anyway, and the Packer got the hand on the ball to deflect the pass anyway, so that didn't matter. Bang, bang, play. The, the Pack gets the stop. The Pack gets the onside kick, and they did enough. Joe Barry's defense did enough and got the key stop for a 14-12 victory in this one as they come away with the win, handing the Bucks a home opening loss. Uh, disappointment, obviously, on those faces of the Buccaneers as they left the field after a 2-0 start and dropped their first game of the season. So when it was done, we went inside the Buccaneer locker room. And first up here, I'll play the interview on our Hooters postgame show that we had with Russell Gage. Again, 12 catches uh, for him in this one. The biggest one is obviously the lone touchdown of the game. This is immediately after things were over with on the Buccaneers radio network. Tough one, 14-12, Green Bay has won it. Russell Gage was one of the key contributors at the end of this game. I know it's tough, but let's go back to the end. First of all, overall, 89 yards away, you guys put together a touchdown drive. Just describe what it took to go get in the end zone as a team. Yeah, so coming into it, I mean, we knew that's the type of team we are, and that's the type of team we want to be. Um, early on, we shot ourselves in the foot um, uh, uh, several times. You know, I had a fumble early on, um, but we know we can do that on even get any given drive, you know, go down the field like that, um, you know, get points on the board. Um, you know, it was very crucial in that moment. We know it was, so we just got to finish. Describe your touchdown, a spectacular catch. Are you one of the options? Or are you the primary option? And then you ended up having to grab it almost with one hand, left-handed. Right, um, just a great read by Tom, you know, coming into it, they were in some type of man. I went across the field, you know, Tom saw me and did a great job of putting it on my body and not leading me into the other guy, um, you know, and just got to finish the play right there, so. I know you're banged up, I'm not making excuses, and this team is banged up at receiver with injury, and how much did that affect things in preparation for you, for your teammates trying to get ready for this game? Uh, like I said, man, um, you know, you, you saw the game um, with all the injuries and all. We, we know we could have won that game. Um, I think in a game like that, we beat ourselves more than they beat us. Um, you know, we can't shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, so we're not going to make any excuses. Like you said, we should come out with a win right there. Russell, thank you. No problem. Again, a 12-catch day for him today. Another point to be made here is Russell Gage is going to be vital to things down the road when you have Mike Evans back from suspension when you have some combination if not all of Godwin and Jones with Evans Gage becomes a much bigger weapon because you can't double cover everybody so Buccaneer fans just be patient it's only been three games you've got 14 more games to get everybody healthy everybody out there let's hope Russell's healthy too he was a little gimpy at the end of the game and in the locker room get him some treatment because uh, he's not 100% but man he was a gamer on that final drive uh, for sure. Let's go over to the defensive side of the ball. Logan Ryan, a couple of takeaways. He's made some big plays, had the strip of Mark Ingram in the Superdome for another big uh, uh, momentum play for the Buccaneer defense in the comeback and the win over the Saints last week. Logan Ryan also a pick, his first interception as a Buccaneer uh, in this matchup. Let's hear from him on our Hooters postgame show. All right, this was a hard-fought game. The defense, for the most part, shut down Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the second half. What were you doing so well as a defense, Logan? 
Uh, we were just we were executing our defense. I, I don't think we started fast enough today. I, I think we uh, missed some tackles early and didn't execute the first couple drives where they scored. But I think we settled down. You got an interception in this second half as well. Describe that play and what you did over the middle. I mean, that play was made uh, watching film with Todd Bowles early in the week. Yeah, he called the defense. Um, it, it allowed me to free up and kind of be a free player. And I just read Aaron's eyes. I was able to come across the formation and get it. But Todd, Todd put me in that position. And Todd told me that that play was kind of coming early in the week. It's just something we saw and it came to fruition. And you're a veteran. There's a lot of young guys on this team. You just have to try to put this behind you as tough as it was and get ready for Kansas City, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't play well and we got beat against a good team. That's going to happen. We did a lot of, we did some good things, but I think the, the penalties, the missed tackles, and kind of our uh, missed assignments is what, is, is what it is. And you give Aaron Rodgers those opportunities, he's going to take advantage of it. He's a great quarterback and uh, something to learn from. Logan, thank you for stopping. Appreciate it. Again, here on Nothing But Bucks, we always recap what happens and you get those interviews, you get the highlights. You're going to hear from Todd Bowles and Tom Brady in just a moment. Uh, as well but also Cameron Brady who had five catches for 57 yards you're talking about no Rob Gronkowski there anymore we saw Kyle Rudolph early in the game as a tight end but he didn't he didn't play a whole bunch after that uh, bear in mind the Buccaneers top uh, offensive weapon draft pick Cade Otten the, the tight end the rookie out of Washington away from the team for personal reasons right now are our hearts go out to Cade. Our thoughts and prayers with him. His mother passed away from complications with Parkinson's disease. So Cade is gone away from the team uh, because of that. And don't know if he's even going to be back this week. We'll wait for an update from Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers staff on when he can be back. So so Cam Brady is a guy uh, that, that obviously Tom Brady can go to down the field. Did so a couple of times. Was trying to a couple of other times. He drew the, the, uh, the pass interference late in the game. Here was Cam Brady with thoughts on this one, on, on having it slip away. Everything that happened with the two-point play, etc. One here, 14-12, Green Bay has won it, and Cameron Braid is gracious to stand here with me for a moment about the 89-yard drive where you got in the end zone at the end. What was working well on that final drive to finally get in the end zone, Cam? Um, I mean, that's the only good drive we pretty much had the whole game. Um, just struggled offensively all day. Uh, we're able to make a couple plays at the end, um, you know, get the ball out of our hands quick. Um, but just came up one play short, so frustrating day. Can you say enough about Russell Gage, who is banged up, made a couple of huge catches, including the touchdown catch. From your vantage point, what did you see on that play? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Russ, uh, you know, he had a tough fumble early in the game, or beginning of the second half, and uh, that's tough, tough to come back from. So, um, you know, he showed a lot of fight, uh, made some huge plays down the stretch for us. Um, you know, when you're down there, close game on the line, it's always going to be a contested play. So he did a great job going up and getting it and coming down with the ball. Um, so, yeah, I thought Russ, Russ came back and played really well down the stretch. You guys had an opportunity, obviously, for a two-point conversion. You were a little late getting out of the huddle there in that instance. You would much rather have run that play, obviously, from the two. Just take me through that. Was it just trying to get a formation and get some motion to see the defense? Yeah, I'm, honestly, I couldn't tell you. It was all happening pretty fast out there. Um, yeah, you can't you can't do that. You can't take a penalty there. Um, I'm sure the percentages go way down. Uh, you know, I'm trying to convert from the seven versus the two. So um, whatever the problem was, we, we we just can't let that happen. So that's frustrating. We still had a chance there uh, to run a play from the seven, but um, didn't make didn't make enough plays and came up a little short. You have been here a bunch, including winning a Super Bowl title. You just got to shake this off, correct, and get ready for a very tough Kansas City team. Speaking of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl rematch. Yeah, like you said, um, got another tough game coming up next week. You know, every game's hard in the NFL. Um, 
but you know, next week should be a fun one. Um, you know, rematch from Super Bowl 55. So um, got to learn from what we did wrong this game. Uh, hopefully get some guys back uh, from injury and, um, you know, hopefully compete a little better next week. 14-12. The Green Bay Packers win it on Sunday, dropping the Buccaneers record to 2-1. and one. Green Bay now 2-1 and one as well. Again, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Todd Bowles was bidding to become the first ever Buccaneer coach to win his first three games. Only Sam Weich, 1992, had won the first two games. Again, whether you're talking John McKay, Tony Dungy, John Gruden, Bruce Arians, none of them won their first game. Obviously, the Bucs were... 0-14 oh, the first 1976 season. Tony Dungy's team actually started 0-5 his first season. John Gruden lost the first game, but they won the Super Bowl. Bruce Arians lost the first game to the San Francisco 49ers in the 2019 season. Todd Bowles had won the first two games, but Green Bay, the better team. On our Hooters postgame show, we spoke with the coach about the loss, uh, about the situation with the two-point play, and more. All right, let's begin with a positive, which is the touchdown drive at the end of the game to give you a chance. Well, we minimized our penalties and minimized our mistakes. We stopped shooting ourselves in the foot, and we put together some good plays back-to-back. You were able to get the ball in particular to Russell Gage on that drive a couple of times, even on third down and then the touchdown. Just tell me about the way he played. He's obviously not 100%, and then he makes a spectacular catch in the end zone. He's a competitor, but as he would tell you, you know, the fumble wipes away anything that he did great, but he made some good plays to get us back in the ball game. We just got to stop shooting ourselves in the foot. All right, the big sequence, obviously, you were going for two. You didn't get out of the huddle. You end up getting the delay of game. I was just asking Cameron Bray, was that a case where you're trying to get formation, motion to see the defense, and it just didn't happen quick enough? It just can't happen, not at the end of the game. It's a lot harder to go for it from the seven than it is from the two. Defensively, what did you do so well, especially in the second half, as you held them without a point? Why were you so effective? We calmed down. We stopped shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, you know, the first two drives we didn't like at all. We had a bust here and a bust there, and we calmed down and started playing football the way we knew how to play. Ryan is a guy that stood out to us. He obviously recovered the fumble after the hit by He had an interception also in this football game. Just tell me about He's a heady football player. He's becoming one of the leaders on defense. Uh, he, he gets the DBs to make big going, and he finds it. For this team, obviously you're going to play a lot of playoff caliber teams like Green Bay. This was a tough defeat today. What do you have to do to regroup? Because you've got another top team. Get back to work on Wednesday and make sure these things don't happen next week. Again, he was shaking his head, but he's a veteran coach. Been around for a long time as a defensive coordinator, former head coach of the Jets. It's a long season. It is a loss. You would have loved to have gotten a win in the home opener to be 3-0, but Green Bay was just better. Credit Aaron Rodgers. Uh, for the passes he made, credit their defense. Some of this is the Packers are really good. The Packers are arguably, along with the Buccaneers, uh, the Rams, and uh, I don't know, the Philadelphia Eagles are 3-0. They look good early on, but let's be honest. The Buccaneers own the Eagles right now, home or away. I know Jalen Hurts looks fantastic, but that Buccaneer defense will be ready to lock him down if you see the Eagles in the playoffs later on. So the Eagles are 3-0. But my point is the Packers are one of the top three or four teams in the NFC. They are an NFC championship contender. And they got the win. Give them credit at 14-12. to 12. When this one was done, Tom Brady, who had a solid day. Uh, again, there were some receiver drops. There were some fumbles that have nothing to do with him. The line held up pretty well. Brady, 31-42. of 42. Again, without his top weapons, 31-42. of 42, 271, led the late touchdown drive. I know he's most disappointed with not getting the win, but here was the quarterback Sunday night with the media. 
Tommy, can you take, take us through the two-point play there, what happened uh, and, and got to the late game? Did you check to a, to a run there? What happened? Uh, yeah, I just looked up and we had a uh, just a bad execution. It's really what it is. Nothing more. Did you try to check to a run at that point? Um, yeah, it's just yeah, there's a lot to it. So bad execution on offense at a time where we need good execution and we didn't get it. And there was a lot of other times we had a lot of other bad execution. And I think the reality is when you do that, you don't have the opportunity to score points. So it was a uh, too many plays where we are behind the sticks and not good on third down and. Penalties, turnovers, missed opportunities, and you know defense played great. We got to play better on offense. We got to do a lot better job. We haven't scored many points all season, so three games we got to get a lot better. Coach Hull said that yes, it is concerning the fact that you guys haven't been able to, to find the end zone. I know you've been without a lot of weapons. How concerning is it for you? Uh, you know our job is to go out there and score points, so we haven't. We're just not doing it. But you're not going to score points if we don't execute well. So um, they did a better job than us. Yeah, they have good, you know, good defense, good physical defense. I give them a lot of credit. They forced us to make a lot of good plays, and um, we just didn't do a great job in execution. Um, we just got a Russell Gage in that final drive. Kind of the same chemistry you guys had during training camp. Yeah, he did a great job. He really battled through it, and uh, you know, we had a lot of guys down, but those guys who were in there and some hot weather did a great job, especially you know last drive. Um, so it was a lot of good, a lot of good plays guys were making. I know you don't want to make any excuses, but did, did the figure impact you at all today? No, zero. Yeah, zero. How concerned are you? I mean, three games, three offensive touchdowns. That's just not anything you've been a part of here. Um, yeah, we just got to do a better job. Yeah. I, I, I wish it was one thing. We're just, you know, we haven't had a lot of, uh, you know, we're not running as good as we're capable. You know, in a pass game, it hasn't been very good. So, our screen game. Um, a lot of things, yeah. I'm sorry. From yep. what you see at practice, you think this can get turned around? Do you see? I mean, is it there? Uh, yeah, we'll I mean, we'll keep working at it for sure. Yeah, keep working at it. Coach Balls mentioned that Julio could come back and rejoin you guys against the Chiefs. You could get Godwin. How, how much of a spark would it be just to get some of the the regulars back, if you will? I think you'd always you know rather play with your with with the guys that are you know your your top players on your team, and but they're not you know a lot of, they're not playing with a lot of their top guys either. So the guys went in there, they fought hard. We just just too many too many mistakes. Even if you know. I don't know. It's, it looked to me we had a chance to make a lot of plays, and we didn't. Doesn't matter really. You know, the guys that were in there, some of the guys did a great job with their opportunities, and we just got to keep doing it. So we're two and one. There's a lot of football left. Um, we'll keep working at it, and um, doesn't get easier next week going up against Chiefs. But you know, no one feels sorry for us, nor should we. We just got to go back to work. All security stuff, right? Like, did you guys had opportunities, and you guys, you know, miss those opportunities, like the reverse and the fumbles. Just how frustrating is it when when that? Yeah, too loose of the ball, too loose of the ball, and you know, again, it's just it's that's important for all of us. We talk about ball security. You know, we got to keep doing a good job in the pass game. Ball security it means protection. That means me making good reads and good throws. Them securing the ball when they catch it. You know, when the guys who touch it. You know, we all got to do a great job of it. And you're right, you know, we haven't done a great job of it. We got our defense done a great job getting the ball for us in field position and you, know, you hold a team to fourteen points, you know, that's that's a great defensive effort, especially against, you know, a great team like that. So you know, we just gotta go right to work. One of those guys that was a new addition to the team this week, Cole Beasley had three catches today. What did you see out of Cole Beasley then? Yeah, he did a good job for us, you know, on a short week, so we just have to keep keep improving, you know. Top three games, what have you seen? Eighteen yard run. 
they got wiped out. It's kind of a picture of what happened today. Yep. They play, they got yep. you know, pulled back. But what did it feel like? What did you see on that run? I saw a lot of open green grass <laughs> and no Packers, and I could turn a 40-yard gain into 18 better than anyone in the NFL. So unfortunately, I slid. I broke my knee brace, and you know, I had to get it on the sideline. But if I'm running it, it's usually not a good thing. So I'll give it to the guys who can run with it. Tom, Frankie, what have you seen from Robert Hansey and Luke Gedeke in front of you? They're doing good. They're battling. There's a lot of new things to see. They're going up against a lot of good players. Um, it's not going to get easier this week. So they got a Chiefs got a good front. It is a defeat, 14-12 to 12 the final. And in the QB comparison, Aaron Rodgers, 27 of 35, 255 yards, two touchdowns. He did have the critical interception in the second half. And the Packers put no points on the board, by the way, in the second half. Again, if, if you had said before the game, the Buccaneers are going to hold Green Bay to 14 or less, hold them scoreless in the second half at home with Tom Brady at the controls, even without... Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, I would still take that and say Bucks win. Bucks win like 17-14, you know, 21-13, whatever. 14 points or less, Bucks are winning that game. Again, Green Bay outslugged and made the final play on stopping the two-point player, else you're in overtime. I would have been in an overtime two days in a row. Texas Tech, Texas on Saturday on the radio in Lubbock and then Buccaneers radio. It just didn't work out, Buck fans. And uh, Brady's right. You got you got to give credit to Green Bay, and you got to move on now. Got to play better and get ready for the Chiefs, who are coming off a loss as well. More on that in a bit. As I mentioned on Nothing But Bucks, from time to time, we go to some other voices, some other analysts, some other people that uh, are at games involving the Buccaneers to see it. Again, Carmen Vitale has been covering this team closely, the Buccaneers, uh, for the better part of the last five or six seasons. She has now moved on to a new role this past offseason, uh, covering the NFC North for Fox and FoxSports.com. Carmen was at Raymond James Stadium covering this game, so I want her insight now on what she saw really from the Buccaneers' perspective, but also what Green Bay was able to do. Let's get some of that conversation right now. As promised, I saw her in the press box yesterday before I went down on the sideline for my duties. Uh, the good news is she worked and worked and worked for Fox Sports and the NFC North coverage. And then she got on an airplane and flew back to her home base now in Chicago and is now posting on Monday morning with me, coffee in hand, caffeinated. And I can see her on the video call that we're having, even though you're only hearing us on the podcast you look more rested than me. I don't know how that's possible with the weekends. You're younger. You're younger. That's part of it. Carmen Vitale, uh, thank you. Good to see you. I wish you were still around on Buccaneers.com. I know how these things evolve. you got a better opportunity with Fox Sports and FoxSports.com. But I appreciate you jumping on the Nothing But Bucks podcast once again. I appreciate you uh, having me. And to be quite honest, I think it's just residual uh, caffeine from the Diet Cokes I drank in the press box yesterday. Yes. So. I, I prefer the Coke Zero over the Diet Coke. But yes, I had oh, a couple no, of those. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, Diet I, Coke. I'm a Diet I, Coke stan, if anybody and, knows me. Or and so you. we're properly caffeinated last night and this morning. Uh, and we're still trying to figure out where, where were the fireworks? Where were these Hall of Fame, you know, lethal quarterbacks throwing the football? And we get a 14 to 12 game. Uh, and the Packers defense basically stood up at the very end and stopped the two-point play. Buccaneer defense played great. Th those are things I've already said on the podcast. What are your thoughts overall after having watched this yesterday in person? Uh, yeah, it was something that I, you kind of knew going in, right? Because the Packers had had so much success running the ball against the Bears the prior week, and they had said they were, that's exactly what they were going to do. They've got, you know, they're, they're trying to adjust to life outside of Devontae Adams um, still. 
And they, I think the Bucks really wanted Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball as crazy as that sounds, but they forced him to do that. And it was a rookie that stepped up. It was Randall Cobb, who is in what his ninth year in the league, or maybe longer than that. I'm actually sure. forget right. how long he's been in the league. Um, but it was, it was a complete battle of defensive wills at this point because both offenses have major question marks. Uh, so you didn't get like the billing was Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, but the, what ended up happening was the Bucks defense and the Packers defense, which are two of the best defenses in the league, uh, sprinkled with a little bit of Packers special teams, because let me tell you, Pat O'Donnell is booting that thing. Yeah, I said it just before you came on. He's probably the unsung MVP because I yeah. think he pinned the Buccaneers inside the 15 yard line, like four times in the five second times. half, five times. Total. Oh, five, it was, like five, five times it was total. at least four in the second half. And and where there's no return because of the height on the punt, he was unsung. They did everything well in all in all three phases. They did enough on offense. Their defense played well enough. And he was there as well for the special teams. So there's so much conversation about Mike Evans being suspended. No Julio Jones, no Chris Godwin. You watched this yesterday. You've been around this team closely, including the Super Bowl win, including the division win and a playoff win last year. How much did they miss those guys and Brady having to go to other guys that he's not as familiar with? Cole Beasley just came to this team this week. Russell Gage has not been able to work with Brady a lot in any games or practices until last week and this week. How how much was it a factor? What do you think, Carmen? I mean, it, it definitely was. You can't deny that. The offense had pretty much no rhythm the entire game, and it's got to be due to the fact that he's throwing to guys that he's not used to. He hasn't had those reps over and over and over again in practice like he has with those other three, uh, I guess, say for Chris Godwin, but he has experience with him the last couple of years. I mean, the biggest indicator of that is the fact that Cameron Brate had six targets. He was, you know, had five catches. Clearly, that was Brady going to somewhat of a safety net because he knows Cam. So you saw that. And then the fact that Cole Beasley got multiple targets too, when, yeah, he's been with this team for three, for three practices. Um, you know, that Tom is just kind of telling him, all right, run this route. I'll, I'll try and get you the ball. I mean, that's Cole doesn't know the playbook yet. There's absolutely no way he couldn't know the playbook yet. So the fact that, you know, Tom is having to improvise and that eats into the rhythm that they were able to, you know, or trying to establish and it just didn't work. And, and again, no insult, here but when you're lining up Jalen Darden Russell Gage and Scotty Miller in the no huddle at the end of the game kids we know this no insults that ain't Mike Evans Chris Godwin and Julio Jones it's not the same thing and even some combination of Evans with a healthy uh, Jones or Evans with a healthy Godwin even just two of them because again a Gage a Beasley a Scotty Miller the, uh, Cameron Bray, they're going to be better with those other two on the field, drawing coverage, right? Elaborate on that, drawing coverage. It opens up more opportunities. Well, it does. And I think that there's another conversation to be had about the fact that, yes, elite quarterbacks elevate the level of play around them. And Tom has done more with less. Yes. But he's done more with less consistent when he's had that consistently. So he knows the guys. Maybe the guys aren't as talented as Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones. But he's had reps with them. And I think that that's the big part of it here is the fact that he didn't have reps with them. It's not that he can't make stuff like that work, but he can't make stuff like that work when he's not really expecting to. I mean, you weren't expecting to not have Mike Evans this game. Uh, Todd Bull said after the game, I believe that Julio Jones could have gone, but they were trying to be conservative. So like you didn't know whether he was going to be on the field or not. 
uh, that plays into it. And of course, I mean, the guys like Julio Jones and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are going to grab the attention of a defense much more. Um, the, there is something to be said about maybe having an element of surprise because uh, Green Bay wouldn't have had these guys on film as a Buccaneer. Uh, but at the same time, you don't have anybody else to really contend with. So it's just kind of a matter of, all right, so-and-so is covering the X receiver and that X receiver happens to be Scotty Miller on this play uh, and, and why and all that other stuff. So you, you can kind of still play your game and, and credit the Packers defense because they did a really good job kind of clamping down. Yes, they did. We're loving the conversation with Carmen Vitale here now with Fox Sports. And FoxSports.com's coverage of the NFC North, again, she was here in, in that role and in her duties with them covering Packers, Buccaneers. Previous week in that role, you were covering the Packer win at Lambeau against the Bears. I do believe I saw you put on social media you had never covered a Packer-Bears game. You had covered a Packers-Buccaneers game, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, including the NFC Championship game. So sure. you've now you've now been around them for a couple of weeks. I used the word surgical earlier in the podcast for the first half from Aaron Rodgers. How would you describe what you saw him do again for a second straight week, throwing the ball especially early? Yeah, I, you definitely know. Like I said, I think that they tried to take advantage as much as possible of the fact that they knew the Bucs were going to try and make them one-dimensional. They were going to try and stop that run between A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones because that tandem is so lethal. Uh, and they did a good job of that. And I think you saw that with the kind of two back sets that they were trotting out there, trying to, you know, get Rodgers a little bit of an established run game so he could run those play action passes, run those boots, run all that kind of stuff. Um, so they tried it. It didn't work. They, I think they knew it wasn't going to work. And then they just relied on, on Rodgers, who was a veteran quarterback. And he knows how to make things work. And he didn't have Christian Watson. Sammy Watkins is on IR for the Packers. So he needed some guys to step up. But he was also going to his safety nets. I mean, he was going to Randall Cobb. Like I said, Alan Lazard, who, you know, in his second game back, uh, it would, did good things uh, for them, including that touchdown pass or the six-yard six touchdown catch in the second quarter. But it was Romeo Dobbs, who was a rookie. And that's someone that Rodgers has been working with, you know, all preseason. And he was the star of training camp. And that it paid off for him because it was clear that Rodgers had some rapport with him. And he had Tunyon back, the big tight end target as a yep. safety net, to use your phrase. And he went to him several times. It is interesting that as the game wore on, the Buccaneers had more and more success in stopping them on third down. What was Todd Bowles' defense doing better in the second half, Carmen? What do you think? I mean, I think that they were adjusting a little bit more, confusing that front a little bit more. Um, you know, Rodgers got Boxiari back, which is a big deal. Uh, for this, that Packers O-line, but at the same time, you also knocked Josh Myers out, uh, the, the center, towards the end of that second half. But, I mean, I think that they they continue to play their game, and they I think they were really just kind of missing some of their marks, and maybe it was more mental errors in the first half because I didn't see a giant shift in what the Buccaneers' defense was doing. It was just working. Todd and, Bowles I mean, just said in our interview, I don't mean to interrupt, that we settled down. He said, guys, yeah. communicated better, and we settled down. You buy that? I do, honestly, because I, I didn't see much different from what they were running, like coverage-wise, especially um, from the first half to the second half. But that being said, I mean, yeah, they did their job. The Packers converted, I think, one third down in the entire second half. So, I mean, usually if you hold a team to 14 points, you give your, you give your team a really good chance to win. Uh, I don't think that that's out of the realm of, you know, you're, not, you're supposed to be able to ask that of your offense is to score more than 14 points. And that's just, and that's, that's not something that the Packers defense allowed, 
Uh, I think that for as much as Bucks fans deservedly talk about Vita Vea, the uh, Packers fans talk about Kenny Clark. And I think more people need to talk about Kenny Clark because he's probably one of, if not the best nose tackle in the league. And he had two of those three sacks on Rodgers or on, on Tom Brady. So that when you have a guy that can, he's a good run stopper too, because Leonard Fournette, I think 2.4 yards per carry throughout the game average uh, on top of that can push the pocket, get pressure on the quarterback. That's the quickest way to the quarterback is if you can rush up that interior and the Packers exploited that. They exploited that matchup and it, it worked for them. A few minutes left here. Carmen's giving me some great insight analysis uh, on this. Okay, this is a negative. You no longer now work for the Buccaneers. I do. We don't want to be overly critical, but it's the play. No. It's the two-point play, and then it's a delay of game before the two-point play happens at the two-yard line. From your perspective, everybody's got an opinion. What happened? Why did they not get the playoff? Yeah, I mean, I know that there's some questions about the play clock. I, in real time, I wasn't, I didn't see if the play clock set to 25 before that first, you know, two-point conversion. Um, but I can tell you that the Bucks didn't look settled. They didn't look like they knew what they were doing. Um, they were very confused. Brady's yelling at multiple people, you know, and then they take the delay a game. But then what was, I think, worse is probably that they still looked confused after taking the delay of game and having that. But I mean, again, now that the, the play from the two yard line is very different than the play from the seven yard line. Absolutely. Right. So you're, there's obviously going to be some confusion there. You don't have any timeouts. It's, it's a, it's a non clocked play. It's an untimed play. Um, but you can't, you don't really have time to reset and figure it out. And then you have Aaron Rodgers uh, telling Tom Rinaldi after the game that, he saw something on the jumbotron and he relayed that to LaFleur who relayed it to the Packers defense and like something channeled what uh, the Bucks were about to do. I don't know what it was, uh, but it was something, yeah, apparently Rogers picked up on on the scoreboard. It could have been, it could have been the set, the formation. I mean, like, for example, I know that's getting some play on social media that Rogers is talking about seeing something on the video board. Logan Ryan told us, he told everybody in the media, they watched Aaron Rodgers out of a certain set on third down, throw the same pass over the middle. And he had watched it with Todd Bowles so many times he knew it was coming and he jumped right in front of the receiver. So that's yeah. the same kind of thing where you may just see because of a set, they're about to do this. They're more than likely about to throw to this receiver. This is what they're going to do. Uh, and that's, that's what film study uh, is. And to your point, and I, I think we, we illuminate this again, people need to understand there may have been, I don't know this. There may have been two, two-point plays called in the huddle where he's wanting to look at the defense and then call the play. They didn't get it communicated quick enough to get lined up to be able to do that, blah, blah, blah. And as you were just saying, when you move back to the seven-yard line, you ain't practicing seven-yard line two-point no. conversions. No. So now you're having to dial up something totally different, like almost like what do we like for a third and seven or fourth and seven play that we've been right. running? Because it's not right. a two-yard play. It's a very uncommon thing to have happen, right? So yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> that's. I mean, I don't wonder why there was confusion after taking the delay of game necessarily because, yeah, that's now it's like you're in a, you're in a goal line situation, but you're seven yards back, which is not even short yardage at that point. So then you really have to kind of flip back through your playbook and say, okay, well, so what do you we see, have? For something and I'm, like I'm interrupting again, but you see, even though you don't see it on the podcast, you see those play cards that Byron Leftwich is holding up or Matt Lafleur is holding up. They have a section usually, or a couple of them, of third and long or a fourth and long or whatever plays, and the and the best one or two you like. You're immediately Carmen having to go to. 
the third and seven or fourth and seven play that you like to run instead of at the two yard line. That's the point. That's, yes, that's the point. Exactly. And then relay it through the headset. Tom has to relay it to whoever, or if Tom is just kind of calling it himself, which he has put kind of free reign to do, uh, he needs to make sure that everybody is doing, you know, the exact same thing and they get the message, which is hard to do when, you know, it's, it's a pressure situation. You've got a very limited amount of time to do that. And uh, there was a lot of Packers fans in the crowd that were trying to yes. make that really difficult. And there were, there were probably a good, I would say maybe 10,000 Packer fans, maybe a little bit more that were spread out that were loud. There were a lot of them in that South end zone uh, as well, where the bucks were headed. So the two point play doesn't happen. And again, I credit the Packer that got the hand on the ball. I didn't catch the number. You may remember the name, but he got the hand on the ball and knocked it away. Anyway, Devondre Campbell, who, who had a fantastic game for the Packers all, yeah. all, all game, all game, really. And he made a huge play there at the end. All right, so in summation of this, again, with the understanding this is a Buccaneers-themed podcast, I'm going to say things like this. you still got 14 games to go. You're 2-1. Oh, yeah. and one, And if you beat the Kansas City Chiefs, you're 3-1 and one off a schedule that started at Dallas, at New Orleans, Green Bay at home, and then Kansas City. You would, t- you would have taken 3-1 and one if that was being offered for like $500 uh, you're paying that, depending on if you have $500. You're paying for that uh, to be three and one out of these four games. So if you're the Buccaneers, you just got to lock back in and be ready for the Chiefs. And, and to be three and one off this stretch, you're in good shape. Yeah, and I think that I I even said it before this game in, in relation to the Buccaneers. Like, you drop this game, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you've got it's, – it's early in the season. Everyone's still figuring things out. Um, and I honestly thought that, you know, the Packers are kind of starting to figure themselves out too, but they're not all the way there either. So I said it for both sides. I'm like, it really could go either way. And that's not going to be any sort of indication how the rest of the season is going to go for these teams. So it's two very good teams. Like I said, two of the best defenses in the league. And you saw that it, it was a battle of the defense and special teams. Honestly, I think probably provided the Packers the most of the edge that they had, uh, in that game. So, which is a very, a vast improvement for green Bay for that matter. But Regardless, the Buck season is going to be fine. And uh, I'm sure that these two teams haven't seen the last of each other. And again, the Packers got the head to head. That's the important thing for them. If it comes down to it for playoff seating, for home field advantage, whatever the Packers did get the head to head, that may or may not matter, though, at the end of the year. We'll see on records in conclusion here i would normally plug to read you on buccaneers.com i had to catch myself before i said that Uh, i would normally plug to see you on buccaneers.com and hear you on buccaneers.com okay we can't do that anymore you're now with fox sports plug where we can see read hear you fire away so the fans can keep up with you more when you're talking nfc north well thank you uh my handle my twitter handle and my instagram handle haven't changed it's still carmy v so you can always read me on there or you know whatever i'm talking about on twitter then that day that particular day but yes all my articles up here on foxsports.com uh in the nfl tab you know it's covering the nfc north i do a lot of local stuff here in chicago some bears coverage uh, i have a bears podcast with nfl network's adam rank on tuesday nights if that there we go if you happen to be a secondary bears fan to bucks fans but uh yeah i'm i'm based Solely now in Chicago, uh, travel around in the NFC North. So I don't think I'll be back in Tampa anytime soon, unless, of course, these two teams see each other or maybe the Vikings and the Bucks see each other uh, in the postseason. Bears, by the way, will play the Giants. Again, you're based there in Chicago. And I was looking Packers uh, home with the Patriots. Hello for this coming weekend. So you'll be all over covering. And the Lions are better. The Lions blew the game in Minnesota, but they're clearly better. 
along with yeah. the Vikings. So you'll be covering all of that. You'll be a all lot that. colder. You'll be a lot colder. You know this already. You're from Chicago. Uh, you'll be a lot from colder. From here, but... I do need to get myself a parka. Uh, <laughs> that is next on my list for the next like month. I have to I have to bite the bullet and, and get one of those Arctic tech parkas because uh, I'm going to need it. <laughs> yes, probably. Uh, listen, thank you. I appreciate it. And you're a trooper to do this in the morning after the game because, again, Carmen flew late night because of work duties, got out of Raymond James Stadium and flew late night and then got up early for me this morning. Bonus points for you, young lady, for doing oh, that. Oh, well, I hope everybody stays safe with the hurricane as well. Yes. Um, and, you know, we'll see what ends up happening with the team, but everybody in Tampa uh, thinking about you this week. Yes, all of the West Coast of Florida, I know you mean this, and all of the panhandle of Florida, the Gulf South. We don't know as we release the podcast what's going to happen with Hurricane Ian. Uh, just hopefully it's minimal problems uh, for our area and anywhere else. And we don't know what it means for the Buccaneers practicing, et cetera. We will find out uh, here coming up. But Carmen, great to see you in the press box. Thank you for the time and the analysis and the insight on the NFC North. Read her, foxsports.com's NFC North coverage. Follow her on, on social media at Carmi V. I always love your insight uh, for all of this. Thank you for being on Nothing But Bucks again with me. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Tej. Again, a 14-12 win for Green Bay. Appreciate Carmen's insight. And that's it, folks, for this recap edition of the matchup with the Green Bay Packers. We do know this. The Kansas City Chiefs are smarting off of a loss to the Indianapolis Colts. So they're now 2-1 and one, and will come into Raymond James Stadium for a Super Bowl 55 rematch on Sunday night football. And we cannot wait to see what kind of atmosphere that's like. And we cannot wait... Uh, for the fact that uh, Mike Evans will be back, Chris Godwin, uh, Julio Jones, etc. So that is coming on uh, Sunday. We'll see who can play, see who can get out there, see who can get healthy. And Mahomes and the Chiefs come in here with revenge on their minds. Yeah, that's going to be a tremendous, one of the top regular season games of the year is coming to Raymond James Stadium. And good for the fact that the, the fans can be back at full capacity, etc. Now, I will give you one variable. Obviously, we have Hurricane Ian that is making its way towards the Gulf of Mexico and may threaten the Tampa Bay area as the week goes on. Again, I don't know that as I uh, tape this podcast and we release it Monday midday. Hurricane Ian is projected to maybe come over to the west coast of Florida, may miss the west coast of Florida for the most part, and may go north towards the Panhandle and towards the less populated part of the of the northern part of Florida, the southern part of Georgia. Could could end up uh, in Alabama uh, on the Gulf Coast. We don't know what the hurricane's going to do right now, and how might it affect if it starts to come this way? Buccaneer preparation this week. We won't go so far as to know. No one knows what's going to happen six days from now with the game on Sunday. But let's just see, and hopefully everybody stays safe and the hurricane doesn't damage uh, heavily populated areas and obviously evacuations may be taking place. All of that is fluid and unknown as I release this Nothing But Bucks podcast. But for right now, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers get set to play Sunday night. We'll see if the Bucks are displaced for practice a little bit during the week, have to vary it up, have to go somewhere else to practice. We'll find out. If that's the case coming up for now, though, we do know that's the next matchup. We will have that for you on Buccaneers radio. The game just after eight Eastern time, right around 820 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. We'll be on the air at seven with Buccaneers radio coverage uh, from Raymond James Stadium. All things being equal for this matchup with the Chiefs rematch. Brady and company beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in this stadium in uh, February of 2021. Let's see what happens in the rematch. Mahomes, Kelsey and the Chiefs. Andy Reid coming in uh, for this matchup on Sunday Night Football. My thanks to Jason Berenger of iHeartMedia. 
uh, in Tampa for helping me with the highlights and the interviews. Jeff Ryan's our director of broadcasting. That'll do it here. Thanks again to Carmen Vitale, too, for hanging out and having a conversation with me. That'll do it for now. Again, we're here day after games, recapping whatever happens with highlights, interviews, my insight from down on the field, and much more. Hang in there, Buck fans. 14 more games to go. You get a win over the Chiefs, and you're 3-1 and one coming off of Sunday night. You take that. You, you would have taken that before the year began. 3-1 and one at Dallas, at New Orleans, Green Bay, and Kansas City at home. Take 3-1. and one. Go get it. Get a win, get back on track, get everybody healthy that you can. All right, folks, stay safe with the hurricane looming. We'll be back with nothing but bucks after the Buccaneers-Chiefs game that's coming up on Sunday. For now, we are good. Wherever you get podcasts, make sure you subscribe. You can find us on the Buccaneers mobile app as well as SiriusXM. It is nothing but bucks.